Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast where you're dumber for just having listened. Welcome back (laughs) (laughs) to season two of Two Humorous Nurses where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Do you think we're going to say that every episode for the rest of our podcast life? It's our intro. It is, you're right. Um, I've missed you. Uh, we had a little catch-up debrief, which you've hopefully already listened to, but doesn't we missed everybody. Me. Oh, I thought you meant you miss me. I'm like, oh, I mean. Me. I'm pretty missable. I'm adorable. Unmissable. Adorable. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, you're so funny. Um, well, we put it out there over the holiday break what people wanted to hear from us, and we were pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> actually really surprised that people really actually surprised. wanted to hear more about us and who we are. I have not prepared for this. <laughs> I feel like we kind of tell you a fair bit about us anyway, but people... We're pretty open. Yeah, people had actual questions for us. Yeah, which was kind of exciting. Mm. So we put it out there for a and a and said to people, like, what do you want to know? And we got a heap of responses, which is pretty cool. And so we'll just go through them and sort of... I think today we're about... It's about you. Me. Yeah. Always about me. I'm going to go first. Yeah. I'm the most important one. Age before beauty. Correct. <laughs> um, so, right. Well, we'll get straight into it, will we? Sure will. Tell us about your career so far. Right. Well, <laughs> so I started uh, as an enrolled nurse in 2000. Jesus. Back in the day. You don't want I'd... to know how old I was in <laughs> <laughs> I had been... Um, Sort of a governess jewellery for four or five years after I finished high school and that thought, so what am cool. I going to do with myself because I can't that can't do that in and you forever. Drove, you drove a U. What did it say on the back again? It's that? smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually a quote from Madagascar, but I like to think it was like, hello, I'm here. On oh, my green V-Y-S-S-U. Oh, yes. awesome. Yeah, so I had done that and I thought I better come home and do something useful with my life because I was like 20, 21 and... Useless. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought my whole family being nurses or doctors or, you know, in the medical field. So I thought, well, I'll just go be a nurse. Your granddad's an orthopedic surgeon, <clears throat> right? Yep. Yeah. Well, he was, yep, back in the day. And so I thought, well, I don't want to go to uni and spend all that money if I don't like nursing. So I just did my enrolled nursing um, and I like nailed it. Loved it, got a job, and then I did. Where did you study for your Ian? I studied at TAFE in Mount Lawley in Perth, or Central TAFE. Um, I was a certificate four, so I was the first year they changed it from associate diploma to certificate four. Oh. So it was only eighteen months, but we like slogged it out in that eighteen months because they didn't actually change the course curriculum; they just made it shorter. So what did a certificate for get you that an advanced diploma didn't or associate diploma? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Nothing. It just they, they just, just changed the name of it. But then the year after us went back to associate diploma. Oh, <laughs> I know we're like this crazy random. Well, then that's year. confusing because then you put it on your resume and everyone goes, "What the I know. fuck's that?" <laughs> I know. <laughs> so um, yeah, I started off. I did a grad year at Fremantle Hospital, which was amazing, mm. and I did. Um, it's a big hospital, right? Yep. Mm. It's the second biggest teaching hospital, I think, or it was then, or third visitors biggest but it's in this um sort of southern suburbs and it's real funky and the the dynamic there. there yeah is really different to the rest of the city hospitals it's like the equivalent to brunswick or yeah brunswick oh. but if it was where the docklands is yeah yeah, yeah. 
And it was so cool. And, um, yeah, and then I moved – I travelled all around WA, worked um, as an enrolled nurse in, like, Carnarvon and Broome. And then I moved down to Querriting, um, a little tiny wheat belt town. And I thought, oh, I can't do this forever. It had been 10 years. And they had been oh promising God. to bring out some kind of hospital-based conversion for ENs to RNs for years. And so I was hanging out for that because I didn't want to go to uni. Uh, and then it never happened. So I thought, well, screw this. I'm in a little tiny town. I'm just going to do my RN. So I did my RN um, via conversion, um, which is actually question two, which says, what did you study and what degree? So I'll combine the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was correspondence. Yeah. It? So I did the um, Bachelor of Science Nursing mm-hmm. at Curtin University in WA. And it was, um, I did it all online for my EN to RN conversion. Um it was still two, it was two and a half years. The course itself is three and a half years, but Shit. I got a year off because I had my EN, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was great. And then at the end of it, there was a global financial crisis of 2010 and I didn't think I'd get a job. I missed out on grad programs because I was country-based and they mm. only did, they only sent all the grad program information to city-based people. So I missed out because no one told me about it, but mm. I had plans to move back to the city and not live in the country because I really want to do a grad year. So I was doing my final placement at an, an ED department, which I hated. But really? Yeah. I, <laughs> I had no, it wasn't yeah, even yeah. on my list of preferences. Imagine. Everyone was so annoyed at me. They got eight week placement at ED. They knew I hated it. Oh, you <laughs> So, But I, I did enjoy you. it. Like I actually made the most of it and had That's a great good. time. And you would have learned a lot. Yeah, I did. And um, I, and it was great because as an EN, I didn't do any IVs or anything. I was like old school EN. So I didn't have much experience so it gave me heaps of experience giving doing IVs and stuff like that um and then the lady that was running the course like my preceptor she was really good mates with the grad coordinator at the mount hospital um so I got a grad program at the mount hospital um yeah so that was a private hospital and um yeah I loved it stayed there until we moved over here to Victoria um and I had a great time worked on the wards and in theatre obviously there for five years which was the best (laughs) And, um, yeah, here I am now I've sort of in oncology now after a few years just doing the wards and after I was managing and stuff, which was great. But um, it's a good experience, like, after yeah, managing. Yeah, I loved to it. Put it was, on your resume. Yeah, and it was such good. Um, it really boosted my confidence in good. my ability to manage and things. Mm, and I did yeah. a post-grad certificate in leadership and management oh, while yeah, I was I doing you that. you did that, yeah. Yeah, so then I had all intentions of just, be, like, becoming a manager and moving up the ranks. But now I'm in oncology. Right. I love the Monday to Friday no weekends, no shift work. And I'll do – I still have management dreams but maybe in a different – like maybe if an opportunity came up somewhere, um, I might look at it. But I don't think I'm ready just yet. I think I need a little bit more management experience. So I'm lucky in the role that I'm in when my manager goes on leave, I get to step into her yeah, that's shoes. Cool. So, But, yeah, I'm loving where I'm at right now. So life's pretty good in that sense. That's awesome. I guess – do you have any um, other goals, do you think? Um, I do want to do my post-grad certificate in um, – cancer nursing Mm -hmm. um i think i've applied like three times and then not followed through because of whatever last year covid this year i'm I'm like husband just started a new business so i don't want to yeah so i'm you know and i'm i think i will for july i think i need to focus on um i hope i'm a bit of mental health mindset better Mm -hmm. by mid-year and i've gone home to perth and i've seen my family and i'll be able to move on yeah and do that but that'll be my next step and then i might consider maybe my master's down the track not that I have any desire to, but I think if you want to move up the ranks, you it's should. an ideal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's pretty cool. Um, oh, this next question's good. Oh, I wonder who sent this in. Uh, what is your worst nursing experience? 
my worst nurse experience. When I was in um, the small rural wheat belt town, I had a patient walk in. We didn't have any doctors or anything. It was just two nurses on and he was having a massive cardiac event and um, it was very difficult to just provide it wasn't in really advanced life support because we couldn't do anything because we didn't have any doctors around to mm. give medications or, um, you know, you certainly couldn't intubate. You could put a Goodell's in and, mm. and do sort of bagging. But um, we did like as much as we could, but we just, we were so limited, we couldn't do anything. Mm. And, you know, we did CPR for hours and, oh, um, you know, defibrillated him, but he was in a systole. And yeah. um, it was, yeah, that was probably the worst experience because I felt like, I was so limited in what I could do yeah, just because sure. of the circumstances. Yeah. Did I, you guys have an urgent care centre? Like, was uh, it like we had a one bed um, ED is yeah, what it, right. I mean it was called. That It's a, a basically an urgent care centre yeah. but the on-call doctor was 70 k's away and when we rang him he's like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. yeah. He's like, is he, what? Like he was, and we called our local doctor because it was a Sunday night so we called him thinking he might be back in town. Um, ready for Monday and so he did walk in probably an hour after we sort of mm. were half-heartedly doing compressions because we we're like when do we stop like yes. who's gonna call this yeah. we'll just have to stop when we can't do it anymore and yeah um my compressions were absolutely ineffective at that point this yeah. man was very large and it was difficult to do it anyway but yeah. we defibrillated and we'd done what we could and yeah of course so he walked in and he was like yeah no nah, we'll just call it and um it, it was you feel a bit powerless wouldn't you yeah, yeah, really did. And it just goes to show that what you can do in a mainstream ED or on the side of the road with a mica so true. is a hundred times more than some of these small places. Mm. And, and we yet we did absolutely everything we could for him and beyond, um, yeah, that was it. So. And the, I guess in that situation, um, you know, you're only limited by your resources. You're not limited yeah, right. by your skill or, yep. you know, but, you know, if you had had more staff or you had had better um, equipment or had a doctor available, you yep. know, the outcome may have been yeah. different for that patient. And that's patient, when you live in a rural um, remote area, that's the... Disadvantage. Yeah, and that's what you face all the time. And, like, even the Ambos in the town were just volunteers. They weren't paramedics. Wow, so, really? Yeah, so if you needed, they would call, like, a chopper in or something. And we did call chopper in, but by the time... They were available it's to amazing. us. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I guess it makes sense why like rural health outcomes aren't as good yeah. for patients, you know, in those areas and yeah. that sort of thing. Like it puts it into perspective. Because if you think about even when I was at the children's on placement, they would rarely have deaths at the hospital. Of course. Like yeah, rarely. They can, yeah. Because they can intervene so quickly yeah. and have so many um, like policies and yeah. um, they can detect de- deterioration so quickly. Like yeah. they rarely had a death. Yeah. And, and uh, that shocked me. I was like, surely, you know, like kids, there's cancer kids and stuff like yeah. that. And I, and I was like, surely there'd be, you know, yeah. regu- deaths would be regular, but they're really not. No. Like, you know, I think it was probably less than 10 a year or something. Like yeah. that's, um, and I just thought that was amazing. Crazy, yeah. yeah. I guess it goes to show what can be done. Yep. And I suppose maybe some of those families would want their children to die at home if they knew they were going to die. Of course, I think that's, yeah, yeah. probably another factor. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, sad. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I missed one. Why did you want to be a nurse? I think we kind of covered that one. I yeah. Guess. Pre- um, well, was there anything that called you to nursing <laughs> other than that no. your family did it? Yeah, I think that was job? it. And then I just fell in love with it. And now I honestly can't. So when I was going to do my EN, I conversion, I actually considered doing a few other things. I considered speech pathology. Don't know why I hate sputum, so that would have been yeah, silly. Um, I considered pharmacy, um, but 
uh, I'm not very good at science and chem- like chemistry was not something I ever did. No, so me, yeah. I thought, oh, that's hard. Then I considered doing um, like radiology or like become a radiologist because there were free courses for that because they oh, were yeah, so yeah. short. Yeah. Um, you but need again, a radiographer, don't you? Radiographer, yeah. yeah. Radiologist, yeah. yeah. Radiographer. Short course to become <laughs> radiologist. Um, and yeah, so in the end, I was like, oh, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to be a, a nurse. Um, so That's yeah. Cool. Hmm. Um, do you have any regrets about your career? I actually don't. I think I've lived my life to the absolute fullest. I've nursed all around. I have seen and done so many different things. Like I think. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any regrets. Like, I honestly just – I love what I've done in the past and I love what I'm probably going to do in the future and I love what I'm doing now. So, um, And I guess um, it's the, the choices that you make during your career have landed you here too. Yeah. Like it landed you in the position that you yeah. are in and, and have allowed you to have the experience and get – you know, put things on your resume that may have helped you get the job that you're in now. I so. think – um, maybe I do regret like maybe not speaking up more often to try and push myself further. So when I was in theatre, um, like I really felt like I deserved to have a more senior role because I was already doing that role. But you, it wasn't and official. No, and then I sort of got pregnant and, and I was like, no one's going to give me that role now. So, yeah. um, And then when I went back to the wards, I was also still stepping up into these senior leadership roles, mm. but no one was acknowledging them and I couldn't get them to see that I was doing it so they just paid me up yeah um like paid me the grade that I was working at Mm. but no one would acknowledge that so it just looked like I was an RN on the paperwork yet I was doing almost every shift as a um yeah Mm. we don't call them I was over there but yeah uh like clinical nurses oh yeah yeah Yeah, so when I came over here to um Victoria I felt like I I tried to sell myself to be because I thought like I have to prove that I'm actually worthy I've been a nurse for so long like I'm, I'm better than just this so yeah I and within that. a year of being in um, where we work I jumped through hoops and up the ranks and everyone acknowledged how good I was yep. at my job and yep. I was like yes finally yes. someone's acknowledging that I can do this and I feel like that happens more often in smaller hospitals yeah not it's not the whole big fish little pond thing but it's just that people notice more I think yeah when there are less people around they can yeah. actually like see the forest through the trees yeah Is that what and I'm so thankful that I did get that opportunity and like um that we did move I was so scared about what I would do mm. and now I just think you know I got to go to the level that I thought I was should have been at and then I you know now I'm sort of maintaining that and I I feel like I that I'm really like I'm good at my job and yeah and I Certainly don't have any um, career regrets, I think. It's cool. Yeah. Everything that you do has a reason that you do it. And, mm. you know, I think you should take jobs that you know you can progress further in and, mm. and you can leave those jobs. You if that's you're what not you stuck want. Yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like I always – I get emails from other hospitals still with job opportunities that come through because not have, I have no intention of leaving. Like mm. I love where I am. But you just don't know what might pop up somewhere yeah. else. I love it when you get a little email from someone from LinkedIn, like, would you be interested in yeah. applying for this no, job? I'm not on LinkedIn. In, oh, well, I was on it when I did when I was an educator. Yeah. But And then so I get all, I get some people messaging me sometimes, oh, would you be interested in doing director of clinical services in like, it was like, Swan, not Swan Hill, but it was like somewhere like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I was like, hell no. Uh. And they're like, do you know anyone that might be interested? I'm like, no one that wants no. to relocate. <laughs> Why did you leave theatre? Was it just because you got pregnant? Yeah, yep. So I left. I actually went back to theatre after I had Amelia. 
but I, I worked in a private hospital, so it was long hours. You didn't finish when your shift finished. You finished mm. when the surgery is finished. Yeah. Um, you were expected to do overtime. It doesn't really suit when you got a baby. No, and I was. I, I did only go back for a couple of days a week, and I sort of did them. And I realised that I was leaving before she was awake in the morning, and I was home after she went to sleep. Yeah, that um, sucks. And I how how much when you went back to theatre? Seven. I was. She was seven months old when I went back to work. Oh, and how many shifts were you doing? Two. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't um it wasn't a lot, mm. but you know, enough to make you feel like you were yeah. missing out on time with her. Yeah. yeah. And so then I I just thought I can't maintain this, and I couldn't see a way around. Um, you know, like she was having to sleep over once a week at my mm. dad's, which they loved. Yeah. But um, like I didn't get to see her for sort of twenty four to twenty eight hours, depending on that. So I, I felt really like I was not doing the right thing. Yep. Um, so I went back to the ward and did night shift and never slept and <laughs> <laughs> had a mental breakdown and here we are. Oh, so, <laughs> dear God. I, um, yeah, nights was fine if you can get your kid into daycare um, for yeah. the day that you need to sleep. I had to take drugs to help me sleep because well, I couldn't a, couldn't you, um, wind down. Yeah, yeah. And people always say that um, when you – like night shift's great when you've got little kids. Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, well, you go home and your partner goes to work. Yeah. And then who's going to look after these yep. little fuckers while and you've got no sleep? That's right. <laughs> and I did it two nights in a row. So I used to do Wednesday, Thursday. So on that Wednesday, and Amelia was a really good sleeper. Like she'd sleep two to four hours in the day at lunchtime. So I would go to bed on lunchtime on a Wednesday and I'd be like, sleep, 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 sleep. Um, no, can't sleep. Okay. And so I would literally be awake sometimes for up to 27 hours before I went to sleep on the Thursday. Yeah. And then my shifts on Wednesday, Thursday were insanely busy and yep. we were often put in situations which were very difficult. And so I would go home and I would replay scenarios in my mm. head and think, oh, my God, did that patient okay? Did I do those you yeah, know, epidural do obs? Yeah. What did I do? Oh, did I tell them that that patient was on a tilt? Mm. You know, like all this stuff. And yep. um, and then I went to the doctor one day and I said, I can't. And we were eating so much takeaway because I, could yep. co- I couldn't cook, I couldn't yep. do anything, couldn't function. And I was like just – I was hating life. And I went to the GP and I was like – I need sleeping tablet. Yeah. <laughs> Someone give me something. I need to sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was crazy. So I kept at it, but uh, like it was a long year until mm, <laughs> sure. we moved over. I think about sometimes like what I'm going to do when I go back to work, like mm. what's the best kind of plan. <clears throat> but I guess it's just whatever works for your family. What are you laughing at? No, because that's the next question. It is. Yeah. Juggling, <laughs> nursing and a baby, which I think it's manageable. I don't think um, shift work a kid is good at all like it's uh, it struggles um but you just got to find what works for you and your partner and you need to find good daycare uh and you need to have we're really lucky like we have we have a lot our child is gonna have a lot of grandparents like Mm. and even great grandparents so um literally have one two three four five six grandparents yeah and three great grandparents like yeah um, and that's amazing. Like, yeah. so we, I feel like we are going to have support, but someone said to me the other day, oh, what are you looking forward to most about, um, don't answer going that. On? Cause that's on the, your one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't okay. answer that question. Okay. We'll get to it. <laughs> okay. Number nine. How do you improve your own confidence Ooh. in nursing? Hmm. Your own confidence. I think you should be like a duck on a pond. Floating around very casually on the outside, but underneath your legs are going, fuck, what? fuck, <laughs> P- 
paddling like a crazy so you person. So fake it till you make it, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually think you do. I think you should be well prepared. So you should be prepared for whatever. Can you keep the duck analogy going, please? <laughs> so you should be well. I don't know. Nah. <laughs> so <laughs> um, if you know you can have something new coming, I just think you should be confident in yourself. So you, you know, and especially we've got a few new grads that are following us at the moment who are literally starting this week and. Mm. Um, you know, it's hard to know what you're going to be faced with in those experiences. And I think for myself, I just knew that I had the basics. Mm-hmm. If you have the basics, you can do anything. That's it, yeah. Um, I was also never afraid to ask for help. I also utilised our – we had amazing clinical support nurses on the ward. Yeah. And I used them all the time. Like I would ring and say, I've got this crazy dressing. Can you come and help me? Because we, we did big vac dressings and stuff. Mm. And I – yeah, I think you have to be confident – even if you don't know what you're doing, someone can help you. You'll know how to get the right information. Yeah. yeah, and then just do your best. That was something I learned after three years out of my grad year, applied to become an a and <laughs> and it scared the living shit out of me. I was like, I don't think I'm ready and I had people yeah, saying to me, you, you should apply. <laughs> yeah. And so then it was literally, I sat there and I was like, actually, I have really good assessment skills. Like yeah. I know how to assess a patient. Yeah. And I have... Your assessment I can, skills were probably better than mine. They probably hmm. still are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I use them all the time. Yeah, right? that's right. But I was like, I can assess a patient. I can yeah. assess the shit out of a patient. And I'm like, and you know what? At the end of the day, a nurse just has to know normal versus abnormal. Correct. And, and was, I'm like, if I was confident yeah. in determining what was normal and what wasn't, yeah. then I was... I was happy with my work. Like, yeah. Um, and we don't have to diagnose. We don't have to. Like, yeah. as much as we kind of do in a way. Yeah. Um, like, we make suggestions and give differentials. But yeah. we, like, you know, we probably shouldn't. <laughs> but, um, you know. One of the first patients um, that I met when I was over here, he had, um, like, chronic lung disease. Um, and uh, he'd come in. He's coming really regularly towards the end um, when he was end stage. And he came in and he looked terrible and I had a student with me and I he was sat up leaning over his you know heart table and he was gasping for air and she said his sats are 98% and I really just wanted to look at her and say why are you even looking at those numbers yeah. firstly like look at him um, at the time obviously it was a little tricky we couldn't you know I needed was trying to set up a CPAP and I was trying to get Ordine into him and I was trying to make him comfortable and I'd said to her, just write all the obs down for me. That's what I need you to do right now. And hold his hand because CPAP is awful when you, you know, are alert enough to, which he was. Afterwards, we had this whole discussion about how she's like, but all these obs were fine. And I was like, yeah, his obs were fine because he hadn't started to deteriorate yet. Yeah, but he was I said, but if you looked yeah. at him, he had a respirator of nearly 30. He was not taking any air in. And he looked like his worker breathing was insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, yep, the sats are only 98%, but the sats will still be 90-ish and they'll be like before they, you know, like they hold so long. And she was like, oh, I've never, like it was was a really good learning curve for her just to observe your patient. And I think if you have confidence in how you do your job and if and it doesn't matter if you do it different to anybody else hmm. but if you know the way like oh, i'll do a pick dressing completely different to how you do a pick hmm. dressing but i know that what i do is right i use an aseptic technique i maintain sterile like field mm-hmm. and and i know that even though i do it completely different to yep. you so just 
toot your own horn and get out there. And if you're not sure, ask question. And I think sometimes too, you don't know uh, you don't know yourself until yep. you've been challenged. And yeah. that was the same. Like my first arrest when I was in charge, you don't know how you're going to handle those yeah. things until you have to do it. Yeah. So you can't practice that. Like you can, yeah. but it's so not the same. Yeah, that's thing. right. Um, yeah. you know, I think it gives other people confidence in you as well when you are confident yeah. because especially if you're in a leadership position. Because I remember after that, when I first got the job, I was really challenged. Like people, some of the staff who'd been there a long time were really resentful maybe that I was so young. Like I was 20, Mm. I must have been 25 and maybe even younger, 24. And I was an A-num. And, you know, that might have ticked a few people off and that I was not inexperienced but inexperienced in time yeah maybe not so much but you oozed a lot of confidence which pisses people off i think if you're if you're confident in your abilities that can annoy people who aren't so confident in themselves and because you were young and you know people just saw your yeah they saw your ambition and your confidence as being cocky and Mm. but i mean but i also feel like if in the job that we're in you should absolutely be confident in the work that sure. you're doing. Your patients don't you know, want a nervous Nelly standing <laughs> next to them with their hands shaking, thinking, saying, oh, I've never done this before. <laughs> walk in there, get all your shit out in the in the med room, walk in there with that giant needle, mm-hmm. give it to them and then be like. And then tell them you've never done it before. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but no. I think, you know, in, yeah, for sure in the work that we're doing. Like, Psych yourself up, get in yeah. there, stab them in the guts and then just be like, yeah, I did it. And then oh. you'll be fine. You'll be able to do it every time. <laughs> It's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about that. What was it? Yeah. Um, you were telling about, oh, it was some kind of port. I can't remember what you No, were. it was the um, injection that I implant that you put oh, on yeah. the big, big <laughs> ass right. needle on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, you, you know, people should have faith that you know what you're doing. And, and I feel like, especially as a senior RN, like you, mm. if you're not confident, people d- will doubt you and people will be concerned about like um, your abilities. Mm. And and I, I don't want any of the staff that work with me being nervous yeah, that's right. that I'm question not going to know ability. what to do or that yeah. or yeah question my ability or so I always or, joke about that I'm like I've never been in this situation so if something happens we'll just all do it together but I've done 20 years of learning how to do it yeah exactly so right. let's hope that it kicks in in person yeah so I think and when something does happen I'm I know what I'm doing and it's I just think, that I've yeah. don't put it in practice very often because yeah, yeah. I'm a you know and af- low risk area and, <laughs> and after the fact too I think it's interesting hearing feedback from your colleagues like yeah and especially people that you know I want to say work under you but like yeah you know when you're an a there's staff that work on the, sh- the floor and you work in charge yeah. and you know after that first arrest I I walked away and I thought there were a couple of things I wish that I had done differently yeah. like just a couple and and there was nothing that we could have done for this person so I guess nothing really would have changed but it was more just like should have been quicker on this or should have thought mm. about that sooner um before but in the 20 years before. time you'll still be doing that yeah yeah and that so. but i think it was it was interesting listening to my colleagues and they were like you did such a good job yeah thank you like you stayed so calm and it's nice to hear that people accept the way mm. that you've that you work especially under pressure like um i yeah. think it's reassuring to know that, that people have faith in you and that and i think it alleviated a lot of their concerns as well yeah. because they were like oh how's she gonna be if there's something goes wrong and she's new and you know this episode's about me yeah sorry <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking that. I'm like, oh, I've been talking too long. Fuck. It's been too long between these. Oh, dear God. The last one. (laughs) What's the – 
Is this the weirdest thing you've found in someone's butt? Or well, the I have a lot of stories. Do you really? A lot of butt stories? Yes. I only have one. Or so, two. Two. I worked on a colorectal ward. Oh, okay, of course. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Many years ago. So I could probably tell these stories because it was like 20 years ago in another state. So, um, yeah, look, one day we are all sitting in the nurse's desk and a message sort of goes around the hospital saying, check out this UR number on x-ray. <gasps> And I was like, oh, my God, is that a Corona bottle? Uh, yeah. So, And they all come to us because they have their surgeries and then they have Yeah, yeah, of course. Work. Yeah. And we were like, what the f-? – and we thought, oh, radiology are like playing a joke on us. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, they've had some spare time. <laughs> Turns out, no, nah, this bloke had a Corona bottle. Oh, my God. Up his butt. It was so far up his butt they couldn't reach it. So, he had to go in and have surgery to get it out. Do they just – to cut the like cut the side of the bowel and then pull it out that way. Oh, is that how they extract it out? So the problem is when you put big things up your butt, it stretches your rectum, and your rectum only has a certain amount of stretch. So a lot of people end up having an ileostomy or a colostomy whilst your rectum Speak recovers. Oh, if dude. it recovers. So the worst one I ever saw. The story behind this is so funny. <laughs> um, it was a glass, old school glass beer glass, like an amber one. Um, yeah, I can't describe it. Every, every time I try to describe it, no one understands. Anyway, a beer glass, like a small kind of squat one, but it was very far up. And he had had a big night out, it turns out, maybe a few drugs involved and a, maybe a few um, women that weren't his wife. <laughs> and so he woke up where he shouldn't have and realised his bum was really sore and there was a bit of blood and then tried to re- dig out whatever was in there. So he but, knew something was up there. Yeah, well, he felt like it. And so he, the glass broke and basically oh. shredded his rectum. So, <laughs> Holy shit. so when they come in, they did the operation. They had to actually remove majority of his rectum and he had to have a colonoscopy, a colo, colostomy. <laughs> and he gets to the ward and he's like so stressed. He's like, don't tell my wife, don't tell my wife. Can you just tell my wife I had polyps? Because, you know. Oh, and God. these girls drugged me. I don't know how it got up there. I have no idea. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm okay. sure people Great don't story. go out going, we're going to fuck drink. someone yeah. up and <laughs> shove a glass up their butt. <laughs> anyway, it was super awkward. It was so funny. And like, there's nothing like giving someone colostomy care when you just know that. The- <laughs> you um, did but this I saw many things. <laughs> I saw candles shaped phallically, oh, very large. I saw, um, yeah, like beer bottles. Um, Can you please get a. a- a phallus-shaped candle <laughs> tattoo in your sleeve <laughs> <Not> somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. No. But the the stories that come with them, like, are so they're just so funny. Oh, I fell on it. Yeah, that. Why do does you, it have a condom on it? Do you know this like, whole story about like I fell? Right. Yeah. It's like in quotations. I had a patient come to the hospital once to ED. Yeah. And it was the whole I fell and there's a stick up my butt. <laughs> right. And I was like. <laughs> Uh, Why didn't you just pull it out? No, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you fell. Turns yeah. out he actually did, did fall. <laughs> well, I think a stick would be something and you'd be like, yeah, but maybe but not it a didn't beer go bottle in his a, butt. It oh, didn't go up his, his bum hole. It went just in into the cheek. like gluteal oh, muscle. Gross. And but the way he said it was like, I fell on a stick and it's up my bum. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not up your bum. It's in your bum. Right. Like it's different. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. And it's always men. Never saw anything <laughs> up a woman's butt. <laughs> Women are too fucking smart. That's smart. 100%. <laughs> okay, we got some random questions in. Yeah, these were. 
think there was a lot more, but I just picked top three because it was crazy. Oh, this one's good. If nothing was illegal for 24 hours, what would you do? Oh, oh, oh God. <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean? I don't know. I don't do anything illegal. Oh, nah. Okay, here we go. This will sound really bad. I hope my employer's not listening. I'd probably just get really stoned. Yeah. Which is not illegal in many places in the world and probably shouldn't be illegal here. But just but go all just, Michael Jackson on the I would just get like, no. <laughs> I would just get a big effing joint of really high quality pot, sit around with my closest mates, smoke it and just enjoy the buzz. And then the next day I'll need to go to meditation because I'll be so flat. <laughs> so I'd get high. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I feel like there's not real any consequences to doing weed. It'd be different if you like. I wouldn't oh, shoot heroin. Yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't do any of that. I wouldn't do anything like that. And I can't, yeah, like maybe I'd just go steal some shit or do something some that burnouts. I really want. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Tim McGraw or Corey Taylor? Do you know, is, know who these yeah, are? Yeah, this was from my husband. <laughs> <laughs> is this because you can't choose? No, I can 100% choose. You know why? Tim McGraw stood me up in the week of my wedding. What? <laughs> so back in 2012, Tim McGraw was doing... A world tour. So me and my besties who love country music bought tickets to go to the show. It was the week of my wedding. Shit. Then the dickhead's like, I can't come all the way to Perth, so I'm going to cancel the show. Fuck off. So he cancels the show and he's like, everyone can have the tickets because I'll put an extra show on in Melbourne. And I was like, well, I can't do that because I'm getting married, you tosser. And not only that, that's fucking selfish and dumb because... He probably thought that Australia's like that Perth was like Yeah, just drive over. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't realise it's like a fucking six seven hours. Married, we would have been on the plane to Melbourne and we would have had the best weekend. But I got married and had the best weekend anyway. Yeah. So Corey Taylor is absolutely my hall pass. I don't if people don't know him, he's the Who lead singer of Slipknot and Stone oh, Sour. Okay. I'm not into heavy metal, so Slipknot's my thing, but Stone Sour is amazing. My husband yeah, introduced like that to me. He has some amazing songs. We saw him at Festival Hall isn't yeah, it, in yeah, Melbourne yeah. Um, a couple of years ago at VIP tickets. Mm. I got ripped off by Viagogo. Oh, what? Dickhead. Ended up costing me like $500 for tickets when it could have cost me 120 <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that dumb, trashy, scamming ticket scamming site. Bullshit. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm an idiot. And then Cam bought VIP tickets and we weren't even sure we were going to get in with our Viagogo tickets. Yeah. Um, anyway, we got in. I met him. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and Cam also was like, because <laughs> Corey Taylor's like his biggest love. Oh my god! And um, yeah, and then I cried listening to my favorite songs that he sang acoustically, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and he's not all that attractive, but like Jesus Christ, he'd get high with me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. I know who sent this <sighs> one in. She's a fucking dicks for fingers or vaginas for ears. All right, I thought a lot about this. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what dicks my fingers because I can't cover it and I hate wearing gloves. Yeah. So I'll have vaginas for years, thanks. Plus, I mean. You might be able to get some pleasure. Yeah, I'll just yeah. rub it in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. You're like, no one wants to see you, a penis. Looking like you're scratching yourself and you're like. That's a really good body. Uh, well, that was a good geez. start to season two. I hope you enjoy getting to know me a little better. I'm kind of bored, to be honest. <laughs> of course you are. You, all you did was talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, next episode is Alicia's turn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on all the socials. Oh, you can find us on Insta at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. 
email us your topic suggestions, your nursing stories, anything you want. We're happy to hear from you. Kind of. No, we are absolutely. Don't listen to her. You can email us at humorousnurses at gmail.com. That's humorous like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S for all you delinquents who can't spell. <laughs> Bye. Bye.